It is a beautiful clear night. You look up in awe of the beauty that is the stars above. You see them twinkle. Maybe you even see a shooting star. While you are looking up, you begin to wonder, what is out there? The universe is infinite with millions of other solar systems, planets, and suns. Surely there has to be at least one other planet that has life, right? You begin thinking about what they would look like, how far away they are, have they ever visited here? Throughout history, there have been sightings of unidentified flying objects or UFOs all over the world. Some can be easily explained. Weather balloons, planes, helicopters, satellites. But what about the ones that don't have an easy logical explanation? How do we explain those? Newfoundland is no stranger to these flying saucers. There have been many sightings all over the province. Some can be easily explained for sure, but others can only be described as some weird. Canadian dives are way thicker than American dives. It's only enough to get a couple of Pepsis with a dime. I know we all decided to wear the one silver unitard. There's actually a Star Trek episode in this. If they don't say Purdue to Alien Oxoxy's there. Instead of having an old hag sitting on your chest, uh, you got an alien trying to stick something up your behind. I'll leave that dumpster fire where it is. <laughs> Steal their resources. Looking for all the gold. Jim, come out and have a look at this boy. There's a big old light up the sky in that, right? Hey, aliens, what are you making fun of me? Should burn your house down, Fred. It's going in the round file. The weirdest Canadian. Terrence and the movie does this big somersault next to you know, flying all around. Isn't it illegal to own that many pets? Hey, we're actually on a sandwich. It's for me to know and you not to never find out. Yeah, it's like the real life X Files. Basically, it's the center of the entire Earth. <laughs> it's a Russian guy because this is mad crazy. Don't wear your tinfoil hats unless you want to you take it over via mind control. Okie dokie. Welcome to another episode of the Some Weird Podcast. I'm your co-host, Chrissy. And I am your co-host, Barry. And this episode, we are going to take a look at unidentified flying objects. And the aliens that fly them. Well, they could be drones, I guess, now, now with this drone technology. I'm sure mankind wasn't the first to perfect the drone technology. Uh, when we had Halloween, we all, you know, we were out in our driveways with uh, fire pits and stuff, and yep. a drone flew over us. Really? Uh, I guess it was flying over our neighborhood and it flew right over our, like our driveway. And I'm assuming it had a video or camera, either it was recording or just viewing or whatever. Shooting. Shooting, whatever. Dropping candy. That'd be actually pretty cool if it was dropping candy. But yeah, drones are, I'm always afraid they're going to crash. Yeah. No, drones are pretty freaky. I mean, you see these things in the war now. They use these drones, these drone attacks. Do they? That's a, war is like basically a video game now. You're just flying these, these drones and blowing shit up. I don't know. Earth is just some alien child's Minecraft, probably. Yeah, but the alien phenomenon and UFO phenomenon is certainly not uh, local to Newfoundland. This is all over the world ever since I think people could look up the sky. They always, you know, there's thoughts of bleeps and bloops and whatever's in the sky. That, that you know, these, these are mm-hmm. weird flying things and what could it be? 
Most can be explained, but there are definitely a few that are of the more questionable nature. Yeah. Now, I don't think I've ever seen a UFO. I've all, like, I kind of want to, but it's yeah. always an airplane or something. I've never witnessed anything myself. So I won't go as far as to say I want to see one, but uh, one time for sure I thought I saw one and it was, uh, I was dropping a friend off when we were out doing whatever. And I was like pretty late at night, one or two o'clock in the morning, I was dropping him off. And uh, as I was leaving, I left his house and I started driving and I looked up in the sky and I saw this weird light and it just kept moving in a, in a really irregular pattern. I was like, what is that? What is that? And I got freaked out and I freaked out to the point where I went back to my friend's house. And when I got there, he was actually still on his step staring at the same thing. That's freaky. Yeah. And we're like, oh, you see that too? And I said, yeah, we we're just staring and staring and staring. And we're like, what could that be? What could that be? And we're getting all freaked out. And then what, by the time we got close enough, it was just obviously a plane, so... Nah, that stinks. <laughs> or does it, though? Maybe it's better. So you've never witnessed one, but do you believe in it? Well, I believe there's UFOs because I think people are always seeing stuff that they don't know what it is. Okay. But I, I don't know if I believe if that aliens in UFOs come to our planet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of be difficult not to believe that, you know, in the universe, the size that it is, it's supposed to be infinite and all these different planets and all this kind of stuff. That at least one of them doesn't harvest some kind of life similar to ours. Now, if you've ever been here, that's where I'm not 100% sure on, right? Yeah, and I think that's the boat that a lot of people are in. I found out the top five reasons why we could believe in UFOs. Okay. It might change your mind. You know, when I was listening to it, I was like, maybe, maybe, maybe we can. But some of it is also kind of like, mm, you're on crack, I don't know. So the first reason why we could believe in UFOs is... Human life on Earth has evolved too quickly. From like the caveman to today, you mean? Yeah, exactly. So let me lay it out. All right. Lay it on me. Scientists tell us that the Earth, our planet, is about 4.5 billion years old. Yep. A billion is a, a number that's it's almost too big for us to get our heads around. Yep. Like evolutionary speaking, or genetically speaking, we only ever really needed to care about like a couple of hundred of things so that's kind of like the biggest number that we can conceptualize and a billion is just like all we know it's a whole lot so uh, i wanted to kind of lay it out in a concept that's easy to understand what that means so bear with me all right we're going to visualize on a podcast how big a billion is i know this may not work all right but let's see all right so if you think of thickness of one dime that would represent one year of time Okay. All right. So if you start stacking up nimes, like you're putting them in a roll to bring to the bank to cash them in, right? You're stacking them all up and then you lay them on their side. Yeah. Okay. How many dimes or how much of a length of dimes do you think you need for a million years? One dime length, or sorry, width is one year. How much do you think is a million? That's a lot. Like a million years is a shit ton of years. How much? In terms of what? Distance? Yes, distance. Not how much is it worth. <laughs> a million. I was way off when I was trying to picture it. So the width of a dime, so a million dimes is what we're saying? A million dimes. I, I'm going to take a wild guess. I'm going to say 600,000 kilometers. <laughs> it's, it's like the price is right. You are so way off. It would be 1.5 kilometers. 1.5? <laughs> <laughs> So I, I said 500,000 kilometers. That's basically saying a dime is half a kilometer in thickness. <laughs> Canadian dimes are way thicker than American dimes. 
Uh, no, it'd be at one one point five k. So like when I was thinking about that, I'm like, that's like nothing at all. Like you run five k's. Yeah. By the time you're at one and a half k, you're just warming up. But that's a million years. What did you guess? I don't remember. I think I guessed like I don't know fifty k or something like that. Yeah, you're way better than me. I was. I, if we run the prices right, I would. Well, no, we both would have been over. So. <laughs> Some asshole who said one dollar would have won. <laughs> yes, right. Yeah. Um. So a million years of dimes is one and a half kilometers. Okay. Now to get a billion years. All right. So now you got a million. That's a huge, big number. What do you think that is? Well, that's a thousand millions, right? A thousand million. Yeah. Fifteen hundred kilometers. One thousand three hundred and fifty kilometers. I'm much closer this time than I was last time, so I'll take. Yeah. It. Yeah. Yeah. So that's about, if you were like, as the crow flies, if you started in St. John's, you'd end up in Quebec City. Wow. Right? So that's 1 billion. Now, the Earth is 4.5 billion years old. So if you started in St. John's and started lining up your dimes to represent that amount of time, you would go entirely across Canada, across Alaska, and you'd end up in the Gulf of Alaska in the middle of that. So a million years is a little fun run, whereas yep. is, uh, four billion years is the Terry Fox run across the country. Yeah, plus. Going up to Alaska, checking that out too. Yes, go all the way up. So that's all your dimes. So according to our the fossil records, right, the first life on Earth, which was like really simple bacteria, that first shows up about 3.4 billion years ago. Or in our dime analogy, from St. John's to Quebec City, a little bit more. Okay. Humans, like early humans, showed up about six million years ago. So that's only about nine kilometers worth of dimes. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go like all the way from St. John's to the Gulf of Alaska, that's the whole history of Earth. And then you back it up like nine kilometers, you're still in the Gulf of Alaska. Like you're you're yeah. still gone way across. And then modern humans, it's only 200,000 years ago. That's about one third of one kilometer of dimes. Wow. It's almost not even worth mentioning in the grand scheme of time. It's only enough to get a couple of Pepsis worth of dimes. <laughs> if you consider the history of Earth, they've basically never been here. Yeah, it's like a, we're noobs. Super noobs. However, the intelligence between first early humans and modern humans, crazy vast. So yeah. people, the the people that go with this theory is human evolution was just way too quick. If you look at it from that perspective. And this is actually a theory called uh, panspermia or seeded from all places. It says that early humans started out and then some like space goo came from outer space, injected humans to enhance DNA and kick off this really super fast evolution. Wow. People believe that? People believe that. To me, that's like science fiction. Yeah. And also, what in 200,000 years, what would humans look like? Yeah. Compared to now. We'd just be a pure energy. Yeah. <laughs> I know we all decided to wear the one silver unitard. Yeah, that's the, if you would believe the movies, yeah. Um, the second one for like why we could believe in aliens is if you look at the ancient religious art of uh, some ancient cultures, specifically the Sumerians... They were one of the earliest human cultures in recorded history, and they were like polytheistic, so they had like a whole ton of gods. The sky god was their main guy, and then they had a bunch of other celestial type gods. They say that their gods came to Earth from another planet about 450,000 years ago looking for gold. There's actually a Star Trek episode like this. 
Like the original Star Trek? Yeah, the original Star Trek. There was like a, uh, another planet that visited Earth a long time ago. And like all the Greek gods were actually these gods. Star Trek must have stole this off of, off of this. Maybe they did. Because this mm. is not like a new idea. Their origin story is that, you know, the gods came from the sky. And then they were looking for gold because it's valuable. It was valuable to the gods? Yes. For dentistry and stuff? <laughs> Everyone had gold crunked up teeth. But the mining, the gold was too hard, so they created the humans to be their slaves. That's the human origin story. If you can create life, I mean, that's probably much more valuable than gold could ever be. Right? Yeah. Like, what do we care about gold for? The weird thing about it is their religious art, they show their gods with bright blue eyes. Um, blue eyes is a mutation, and it showed up somewhere between six and 10,000 years ago. And the Sumerian culture is somewhere between 4,000 and 8,500 years ago. So blue eyes could have shown up sometime during that their time. Okay. All right. They have all this art. They have all this origin story. And also, what's up with the blue eyes showing up at the same time as these blue-eyed gods? Yeah. That's kind of weird. Or or maybe they're just telling stories, like every origin story. That's right. It's, you embellish and you embellish, yeah. So those are, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I put a lot of credence in, in those. Yeah. But if you look at the next reason why, number three, a lot of well-respected scientists think that alien life is possible. And this is where I can get stock from it. There's something called the Fermi paradox, which is the universe is 13.8 billion years old. You can't even wrap your head around that number. And there's billions of stars and billions of planets and billions of systems. How, how do they know that? Like the 13 point whatever billion? They know. They know what they're at, these crowds. Yeah, they're, they're smart crowd, yeah. We, we don't know what we're at. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to look at dimes compared to years. I don't know. I don't know nothing. <laughs> but the Fermi paradox is, in all that almost infinite number of things, where is everybody? Yeah. How could there not be life at least somewhere? They have found life in space, have they not? In space somewhere. They're always talking about finding shit falling out of comets and it's got like life in it and yeah, or the building blocks of life and proteins and I, I don't know. But no, I definitely, like I said, in that thought, there's, I, I agree with that 100%. I mean, in 13.8 billion light years or however far that is, I can't even fathom it. I don't know how many, like you said, I don't know how many times that would take, but... Uh, <laughs> there's not enough times in the universe to count that. Um, yeah, there has to be at least one other planet that has some kind of sustainable life. Yeah. Similar as I do, I would think. Yeah. So that doesn't mean they've been here. It just means they must be somewhere. Exactly. It would be naive to think that they're not. And then other scientists like Einstein thought the same thing. Like, why should we be the only ones? And yeah. uh, Carl Sagan with his yeah. billions and billions, you know, all that blah, blah, blah. And these science guys are like, there's probably alien life out there somewhere. Maybe not come here, but, you know, maybe one day. Um, and then we got number four, government programs. The government takes UFOs very seriously. Oh, they do. The American government, they only admitted that Area 51 existed in um, 2013. Oh, wow. Yeah. I assume they never not denied it. Obama blew the cover on it finally. Thanks, Obamacare. <laughs> They don't say we're doing alien autopsies there, but uh, before 2013, they're like, nope, doesn't exist. There's a lot of people, and even in the military themselves, and you know, we'll talk about that story in a bit, what, mm -hmm. about you know, someone in the military who's a firm believer that, that they have captured UFOs with alien bodies in them. So. 
And this is the the next government program, Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, the AATIP. They disclosed that they exist in 2017. And their whole deal is to look at these unidentified flying objects and figure out what they are. And in 2019, they started to uh, release videos of stuff like U.S. Uh, naval pilots saw flying around. Okay. You know, not necessarily aliens. I think they're more interested in, like, enemies of the state, <laughs> drones. Yeah, yeah. You know, I don't think uh, they're necessarily looking that they're they're aliens. Not looking for elf up there or anything. But... Right, right. Set up a few cats. Catch elf. <laughs> One of the things about the, the videos that you do see, like, online and stuff, and then, you know, the conspiracy theorists, the videos are always of the shittiest quality you could ever imagine. And, you know, so like I said, so grainy. And, I, and I, I'm sure that's done by design. For sure. Some of it was, I guess, back in the day, the technology wasn't there. But, I mean, you can get a pretty good camera shot of something now with, with the shit they got there now. Even with your phone, really. I, in fact, I read this today in uh, Shower Thoughts memes. Your best defense against Bigfoot is a camera. Yeah. <laughs> that's, good. <laughs> that's good, yeah. Right? Well, it could be your worst defense because then he'll kill you because he doesn't want the evidence to get out. You know what? Yeah, maybe they're all those people that disappear in the woods. Yeah. They are yeah. Bigfoot victims. Bigfoot got their phone and is playing is amongst us. <laughs> Among us. Okay. And then they have Project Blue Book, which is, of course, uh, we'll have some stories, I think, about Project yep. Blue Book, yep. where they would go and figure out every, like, basically investigate every UFO that was reported by any crackpot or credible source. Yeah. In Project Blue Book, they logged uh, 12,618 UFO sightings, and they're almost all whether balloons or clouds or airplanes or whatever, you know, they're all debunked, but there's 701 that are unexplained still to this day. Wow. Project Blue Book ended in 1969, so I guess they were interested for 20 years or so, and then they're like, yeah, "Eh, we're good now. They're like, ah, maybe we should concentrate more on the Russians than we should on the the aliens. Right, exactly. And then finally, of the top five reasons why we could believe is there's so many eyewitness accounts. So many, not just crackpots, but trustworthy people. A lot of pilots see, apparently, report seeing UFOs. Of credible sources, you'd have to go with pilots because, I mean, if they're flying all around, they're they're in that space mm-hmm. where if they're going to see something in the atmosphere, it'd be them, right? So, Right. They would know if something yeah. looks weird, but is normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they have all the equipment, the, the training and the technology. Like they, they would know if there's something out there that shouldn't be there. So, Yeah. And I read on a website called thecut.com, apparently UFO sightings have been on the rise since COVID. Really? Yeah. They didn't say, like, why. Maybe it's because people are just, like, home staring out the windows all the time. (laughs) Yeah. And we touched on this before, but, uh, you know, when you talk about uh, so many sightings and so many eyewitness accounts, certainly the alien abduction story is a very common one. Yeah. And that... To me, certainly fits into the old hag discussion that we had a couple episodes ago with the uh, with the sleep paralysis. People, they're lying there and there's aliens poking at them, this and that. Next thing you know, they wake up in their bed like nothing's ever happened. I mean, it really does yep. fit into that exact same thoughts of, of the old hag dream, right? Yeah, yeah. Instead of having an old hag sitting on your chest, uh, you got an alien trying to stick something up, up your <laughs> behind. I don't know. I think so- people want to believe there's definitely people that want to believe and, you know, between stuff that they've seen or stuff that they thought they saw, you know, the, the pop culture of it. I mean, there's mm-hmm. such so much information out there about it, the conspiracy theories and everything. Yeah, people definitely yeah. want to believe. Do you want to believe? 
I believe that there's something out there. I really do. I think yeah. there's, there's life somewhere. I don't think it's made it here yet. I, I don't think they could be more advanced than us. Who knows? That's the other thing, too, in these science things. They're always way more advanced now. There's way better technology and everything else. Right. Anywho. So those are the top five th- reasons why people believe that you could believe in aliens. Some of them, I think, are more okay than than others. I don't think that some ancient culture having blue-eyed statues are like deaf well, aliens came. Does it? There's... there's elf right there solid proof for me if i look at like the vastness of the universe somewhere there must have been probably millions or billions of uh planets with life on it but they probably didn't come here yeah or maybe they did like four billion years ago like who knows maybe it is panspermia maybe they created us and went oh shit that did this did not work out as planned and (laughs) took off and here we are yeah I'll leave that dumpster fire where it is. Exactly. But that's it. We're, we're here more so to talk more about the Newfoundland side of it and some, some famous sightings here. There's many sightings all the time. And like you said, it could be somebody, oh, yeah, I just smoked uh, 15 joints and now I saw something in the sky, man. <laughs> that seems excessive. Yeah, probably not. The, it's like, wow, you really, should, you really got a problem there if you smoke that much. <laughs> but, you know, you hear stuff like that. But, uh, you know... One very credible sighting that we have in Newfoundland that was very well documented and can actually still be seen on TV to this day because an interview with this gentleman was actually recorded for the uh, local television channel NTV's archives. Uh, it happened in 1978 in Clarenville. It was uh, by a, a police officer by the name of Jim Blackwood. Mm-hmm. What happened in this particular sighting was it was it happened in October 26, 1978. It was around 2.50 in the morning. And the constable, so Jim Blackwood, he was just finishing up his day of... Uh, Police and keeping the, the the mean mean streets of Clarenville safe. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a lot of crime in Clarenville for the record, but I don't think so. Nope. No, but uh, he dropped his partner off. Him and his partner were out driving around. He dropped his partner off at his house. Proceeded to go back to the police station so he could uh, grab his car and go home. So while he's there, the phone rings at the, the station. Someone was calling to the police. Mm-hmm. And normally, what happens at this time, he was off duty. It would just go to I guess there's always non call duty. You know, to deal with emergencies as they arise. But since he was there and he said, you know what, I'm going to grab this call before I uh, go off shift. So I will bother the on-duty police officer with this. So the person on the other end of the call said he saw a strange aircraft in the water between Clanville and Random Island. Mm-hmm. So I don't know about you, but I don't know, if I saw a UFO, I'm not sure my first call would be to the police. It definitely would not. Well, my mind would be, what would the police do? <laughs> They're going to be... Uh, rocket launch and shoot at the at the thing like what well, yeah there's not really much they can do what would they do i don't know who i would call probably nobody i mean unless no. i saw something like if it was just so these people saw like a spaceship in the air or something in the yep. air yep. right it was just there not it wasn't doing it wasn't, anything wasn't doing right? it wasn't shooting at them it wasn't yeah wasn't <laughs> beaming stuff up or anything <laughs> steal their resources looking <laughs> for all the gold that's right I don't know, but if it happened today, I'm the first thing I would do is take out my phone and start recording. Oh, that's that's what anyone would do today. They put out the old phone and start now. 1978, we didn't have that luxury, but nowadays everyone has a, you yeah. know, a fairly decent camera in their pocket at any time yeah. for the most part, right? So yeah, yeah. But who are you going to call? Ghostbusters. Yeah, that, that movie was another eight years away, so they couldn't call the Ghostbusters. Mm, true. Um, but in this area, there actually was like several calls over the last few weeks with similar stories about weird objects in the sky. So mm-hmm. every time they went to check out the previous ones, by the time they got there, it was always like a half hour away or something. By the time they got there, they disappeared. 
So there was never any, no, never any credible uh, or any actual sighting, right? So, but on this particular occasion, the cop drove down to what was called Marine Drive. That was the area where he saw it. And he went to a wharf. There's a bunch of people on the wharf, and the guy who called him was actually there, and he had a pair of binoculars. Mm-hmm. And he's looking at it, and he pointed at the object to the guy. And the cop asked to borrow his binoculars. Mr. Blackwood, he had a look. And what he saw was an object, and it kept moving at them at a very slow rate of speed. Um, did they ever say what the crowd was doing hanging out on the wharf with binoculars? At two o'clock in the morning? Yeah. I, I, think what, I think what happened was, I, I couldn't find a story with the actual eyewitness, but uh, I think what happened was one of them saw it, and then this was all their family, so he called her family and like, oh, okay. Jim, come out and have a look at this, boy. There's a big old light up in the sky in that, right? <laughs> What's on? What's on the go? <laughs> yeah. So, um, I think they all got together and they said, what do we do now? Let's call the police. They'll know what to do. That yeah. sounds 70s-style logic. Yeah, that's right. All right. I wonder, if the, I wonder if the cop had like one of those 70s-style cars with the with the uh, thing that you put on the hood, the magnetic oh, you light. Oh, re- you reach up and put your light on, on the top? Yeah. And you weld your... Remember on the, <laughs> remember on the Dukes of Hazzard where they wel- they had their doors uh, welded shut? Oh, yeah. So they had to go in through the window? Yeah, it was, that was one of the greatest things ever. I used to do that as a kid. It had the windows rolled down so you can climb into the window. That show was so stupid. Yeah, I don't mean it was stupid. They were, they, they were uh, running uh, Shine, Moonshiners. Is that what was going on on that show? Yeah, was, <laughs> the whole deal of the show was they, they, were, in, they were on probation because they were Moonshiners. Oh, and really? And the General Lee was the car. The, that's how the old NASCAR started, actually, the Moonshiners. Basically what it was. was yes. Yeah. So the General Lee was the fastest car, so they got rid the cops. So they get their moonshine to the... <laughs> to get all the hillbillies blind, I guess. Hazard County was all dirt roads. Yet all the dirt roads were always out, and they had to do the bridges were never <laughs> were always out. So they had oh the bridges out again. What's going to happen now? Yeehaw! They they'd fly the ramp in the car land. No worse for wear. I mean, yeah, it was a it was a horrible show. I mean, looking back, they probably wouldn't put it on TV now just because the flag, right? Oh, there's no way. Yeah, but uh, so after uh, Jim Blackwood. After he finished uh, talking about uh, Dukes of Hazard with these people on the, on the wharf, <laughs> he said, you know what? We got a better telescope at the, at the shop there, so I'm going to go back mm-hmm. and get that so I can get a better look at this thing, right? He goes back, grabs this high-powered telescope. He said this specific thing, they used it so that when cars are really far away, they can pick up the license plates for tickets and that type of thing. So mm-hmm. I guess it had a, a good range on it, right? When he uh, looked at it, he looked at it through the scope, he saw that the thing was gray in color. He said it was very heavy metal, is how he explained it. It was very dull. There was no windows or seams, or you didn't see any way that this thing could open. Mm-hmm. But it was just like this big gray, maybe it was a drone, I don't know. But uh, that's what he saw. Uh, he said it was a flat oval shape and had a tail. Okay. He said it was uh, looked like something out of Star Trek. And he said the bottom part of it uh, lit up, and as it lit up, it shone on the water, and the water lit up with it, right? Yeah, So yeah. he also said it made no sound. He couldn't see anything that would be a propeller or an engine or something that would make this thing move or float or, or, or hover or whatever it was doing. And he actually tried to communicate with it, and he was like, um, he had a squad car there, and he flicked the lights on. When he flicked the lights on the squad car, the thing started flicking lights the same way. And then uh, as the red and white or the red and blue lights on the cop car was flashing, the uh, objects started flashing red and white lights as well. If you were going to an alien planet, and the aliens flicked lights at you or did something at you, would you mimic back? Or would you just be like, look at these damn fools? I don't think I'd mimic back. I mean, I'm afraid the aliens like, what, are you making fun of me? Yeah, right? You want to fight me? Yeah. And who knows how they fight? They might just think about something and your brain blows up. <laughs> right? Who knows? Nobody knows. 
Some people do, I guess, if you, if you believe their stories. But uh, back to Mr. Jim Blackwood, he said he was. They were studying this thing for a good one to two hours. He said if he had a a boat, he would have gotten a boat and sailed out there to try and get a better view of this thing, right? He said he wasn't afraid, didn't scare him or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to get a better view of it. That's very weird. I think I'd be scared. I don't know if I could sit there for an hour watching it. No, I don't think so. To him, he said it appeared like it was searching for something. Okay. That's the feeling he got from this ship. He said it started moving at a speed of a jet, started gaining altitude, and just took off like a shooting star. Like up straight? It went... Yeah, it went whoosh, straight up. Got oh, okay. So it was like slowly kind of moving, and then all of a sudden just went... All right. Oh, I said, I'm out of here. That's all, folks. <laughs> so... So he said to the naked eye, it looked like about 10 times the size of, of a regular star. That's still pretty small if you think about it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's about the size of a dime. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at a full moon, that's much that's bigger a than... a thousand times, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, what, one thousandth the size of, a, of the moon? That's pretty small. So it must have been really far away. Yeah, it was definitely something that was visible to the naked eye. Uh, something okay. they, they could see but uh i'm trying to picture it so they're sitting on the uh wharf right so yeah. they're on the water and they see it in the sky between clarenville and random island yeah and it's about 10 times as big as a star with your naked eye so does yeah. that mean it was very very high up in the sky uh i guess the way i see it is that the way the size of a, of, of a star in the sky this mm-hmm. thing seemed roughly 10 times that size because you said that the lights came on and reflected on the water. Yeah. And to me, that would mean it was relatively close, right? Yeah, for sure, yeah. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm only going by what the uh, what Jim Blackwood's account was. Maybe it was a tiny spaceship. Maybe it was uh, like that frigger on Fred Flintstone. <laughs> the Great Kazoo. Yeah, the Great Kazoo. Shit disturber he was. Um, <laughs> Did you say what a shit disturber? Wasn't he? I think he was, yeah. Didn't he like just kind of pop up and start giving him like crazy ideas? Yeah. You should burn your house down, Fred. <laughs> I can't remember. I don't remember much about the crazy. I remember seeing it, but I don't remember much about it. I think that was towards the end of the Flintstone run, and they're like, "We got to keep her going. What are we gonna do? We'll get we'll throw an alien in there." Right. Yeah, right. So, so Mister Blackwood went back to the rcmp detachment and he called his staff sergeant even though it was like four o'clock in the morning because mm-hmm. he felt like this is something that he needed to know because this, you know alien spaceships is obviously big police business in in clarenville that's right so he told me saw a flying saucer the sergeant actually came down to the uh to the station and wanted to and jim said jim blackwood said he wanted to do a report mm-hmm. so they called the national defense jim farrell right jim farrell of course <laughs> Jim Farrell actually, they called him actually, but Jim Farrell said, no, I'm too busy in Bell Island dealing with this uh, nuclear holocaust. Well, it was pretty close in time, actually, right? It He's was, like, yeah. I can't be handling this shit now. Because the Bell Island boom was what, April, right? April 1978. Yeah. And this was October, October 1978? Yeah. Big year in Newfoundland. Jim said, oh, by one national disaster, or one national defense <laughs> is the most this fire marshal can deal with in one year. That's right. Yeah. They actually called Gander to see if it was picked up on radar. Gander, Newfoundland had a big airport at the time. Once upon a time, it was the biggest airport in the world, but now it's a little, little rinky-dink airport now. But, you know, in the 40s and all that, it was a very mm-hmm. important airport for the war. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, all, all flights going overseas used to refuel in Gander before they had vessels, you know, now they got planes that can just fly directly. Yeah. So it's not an issue anymore. But, uh, but yeah. Gander has, you know, this, this big radar system, you know, with the bleeps and the, the green the dots, bloops. the bloops, the sweeps. 
so the uh, Gander people said that they didn't see anything on the radar, but they did also said that if it was a smaller object, and you know, based on the, the his analogy of ten times bigger than a star, maybe it was small. Yeah. He said that if it's below ten thousand feet and it's a small object, it probably could elude radar, which basically makes radar kind of useless, I guess. Radars. We've talked about radars a few times in a few different ways. It's like radars can't look over the horizon, and radar yeah. can't see shit that's under ten thousand. The hell can it do? <laughs> <laughs> Get the bleeps and the bloops, and it's green. A line is going around. No one tells what's going on. Oh, the Russians are coming! Look, there's seven of them coming oh. in. Seven bogies. But uh, anyway, ah, oh, I so, guess it's useful for something. They've been using it forever. Yeah, but Jim Blackwood was adamant what he saw. Never believed him before. He always said that, but he wanted to report it, so he did this report up, sent it off to the National Defense because Jim Farrell wouldn't take his calls, and uh, <laughs> and he said he never heard tell of it again. The report, no one, no one ever got back to him. No one ever questioned him about it again in terms of the National Defense. I wonder if the staff sergeant was like, yeah, I will fill out a report. No yeah, that's right. prob. And then it's going in the round file. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Just bring it, lay it on my desk when we're done. Yeah, maybe it didn't go anywhere. It could be. Did it actually come up with an actual cause for it? So there was no oh, official okay. investigation, but the report concluded that it was the planet Jupiter. <laughs> Which lights up and reflects yeah, off the water yeah. and shoots up in the sky and he obviously doesn't believe that, but that was that was the official uh, the official conclusion to the investigation, which sounds to me was done very poorly, just to kind of put an end to it. Yeah, I mean, what would explain like the lights and what would explain? I mean, Jupiter, you can see. Well, I can't see it. I don't. Everything looks the same to me, but people can see Jupiter. I'm I'm with you. I can't see anything. I can't even find Big Dipper up there half the time. No, I can find the moon. I'm good with that one. Yeah, on that one. And the moon, the sun, I can pick those ones out. But the moon confuses me. <laughs> no, I can tell the moon, can, then I start turning into a werewolf, I know what kind of moon it is. But you would never see any light reflecting off of Jupiter. It's, you know, it's too far away. I mean, you wouldn't see light off anything. Yeah, no, that, that was a poor explanation, I think. I think that was yeah. something, all right, let's just appease this guy. Let's, let's just wrap this one up. Let's close this case and we'll go back to investigating that boom in Bell Island. That's lightning. That's right. Lightning, Jupiter. My we son. Got the, we got all the explanations here. I don't know what it would have been, but Jupiter doesn't seem right. And then why would it shoot up into the sky? Yeah, no, like I said, it, it was seen by a lot of people. There have been sightings of unidentified flying objects throughout the area for a couple of weeks before this one. Right. Um, this guy certainly seems like a very credible sport. He's, you know, he's an RCMP officer. Right. Um, he's done interviews about this up until very recently. There's was, there was an inter- interview about him on NTV News like in the last month. Oh, okay. Um, we're in November now, and it was in October. So, I mean, yeah. he's been interviewed several times. His story's never changed. He's always believed it and all that. He's also said that it's never he's never had dreams about it. He's never been scared of it. It's never, it hasn't affected his life other than this was another police call that he had to go on, which is kind of very interesting. That is interesting. I think that if you actually saw something that you were like, this is definitely something from another planet, intelligent yeah. life, it's a UFO, and they're here in Clarenville, it would affect your life. Oh, it would, absolutely. Like, I would definitely think about it like i mean after some of these podcasts we did i I think about these things afterwards and i wouldn't say it's affected my life where i can't sleep or anything like that but it's definitely some of these topics we talked about as as maybe changed my perspective on a lot of things yeah on friday night i slept walked for the first time in my life really yep wow speaking of this podcast and things flipping us out and stuff like that i well i was asleep in bed in my dream i felt like i was waking up yep and then the next thing I know, I was standing in the bathroom. That is effing weird. You don't have any like 
cameras or anything like that that would have no well that's it that's yeah i've never sleepwalked in the whole do you have cameras in, in your bedroom you freak <laughs> mirrors on the ceiling at all no but it was really freaky that is, that is freaky it's probably a combination of the hag and uh the ghost episode that we did which will probably freak me out forever and yeah it was really weird but i wasn't scared i was like uh What's his face? Uh, seeing the alien. It, I wasn't scared. I was just like, okay, I'm in the bathroom now. All right, let's go to bed. Yep. Yeah. So going back to the story here, a local v- VOCM, and VOCM is a radio station that's you know pretty much across the province. It's one of the, the media, the, the radio media outlet's been around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, so a local guy from that radio station heard about it and reached out for an interview. So Mr. Blackwood said he couldn't discuss the situation. It was an ongoing investigation, and he's not allowed to discuss that with the media. Mm-hmm. But then a sergeant came to him and said, uh, why don't you do an interview with CBC News? They have asked, and the RCMP has given you permission to do this interview. So he did, and that was fine. The next day, Jeff Sterling came out to do a piece for the NTV archives. So Jeff Sterling. The weirdest Canadian. According to a website, he's the weirdest Canadian, but Jeff Sterling is the owner of NTV, which is a uh, CJON. It's mm-hmm. a channel that is in Newfoundland. He also owns uh, radio stations here, he owns in Montreal. Mm-hmm. He's a bit of a media mogul, and he's a very eccentric person, and I think that's a very nice way of putting it. And uh, Yeah, yeah. He's definitely a well-known strange guy. Yeah, and he's a big believer in UFOs. He interviewed uh, Jim Blackwood. It was like a 30-minute interview. This interview can be seen on NTV to this day. If you go on YouTube and just type in Jim Blackwood NTV interview or UFO, you'll you'll see this interview. And this is part of the source of of the information we had for this. But uh, he did an interview where he kind of explained the whole encounter from from beginning to end. And uh, he was saying that while they're doing this interview, there was like behind Jeff Sterling when he was asking the questions, was one of those two-way mirrors. Mm -hmm. The cops behind the mirror were like making faces at him and not trying to make him (laughs) laugh. Yeah. But going back to Jeff Sterling, um, Jeff Sterling is a true believer in a lot of weird stuff. Uh, NTV, the channel that he owns, they used to have all kinds of crazy stuff to come out in the middle of the night, like uh, acid trips, and they had these weird superheroes that he had invented. Yes, Captain Newfoundland would be on there at 2.30 in the morning. He was a weird man, man. He's a weird dude. His belief was kind of, this is my TV station. I should be able to do whatever I want. Yep, that's right. In Canada, they have uh, uh, CRTC rules which yep. you have to have X amount of Canadian content. And he is like, I don't need to do anything. I'll do whatever I want. So he would just put on what, just whatever suited his fancy at that time. Yeah. And he had all these kinds of weird, uh, like in the middle of the night, he had these interviews with Joey Smallwood on TV and this movie that he went to find Castro. Jeff Sterling and Joey Smallwood were like frenemies. They were like the yeah. most famous frenemies in Newfoundland because yeah. they were super opposed. Like Joey Smallwood was... The first premier of Newfoundland. Father of Confederation, right? Yes, who was the champion of bringing Newfoundland into Canadian Confederation. Yep. Sterling was against it. He did not want Newfoundland to become part of Canada. No. He was actually, he wanted it to, I don't know if he wanted it to become a state, but he wanted it to become somehow affiliated with the United States. Puerto Rico. Do you know? I don't know the story. Like, did he want it to be a state or a territory? He wanted it to be affiliated with the U.S. I'm not sure if it was a state or not, but he wanted some kind of economic union with the United States, yeah. Yep. He thought that would have been a better way for it to go. Joey Smallwood was, and he's called himself the socialist, and Sterling was the capitalist. But also, from what I read about Sterling, he he had tons of money. 
But uh, but he didn't have money because he wanted to be rich. He wanted to be rich so he can go do crazy things. Exactly. He went into the mountains of the Himalaya or whatever it was mm-hmm. with some Buddhist monk. Mm-hmm. And was he meditated for like six months. And after all this, he figured out that, that he needed to invest in gold. So he invested in all kinds of gold and it was like very low and he sold it for like made a fortune. Gold again. Maybe this uh, guru or whoever he was contacted with had like a direct line to those <laughs> ancient Sumerian gods. They were all about the gold too, right? That's why he was such a firm believer. But he'd be like, you'd be watching NTV and you'd be watching whatever. Like I specifically remember one time I was watching wrestling, surprisingly enough. I'm sure that's a shock to everybody out there. But I was watching wrestling like on a Saturday afternoon and just out of nowhere, right before the big match, uh, Jeff Cerrone gets on there and just preempts all the television. He gets on, he starts talking about when is the government going to end the conspiracy and finally admit to, the, to believe that aliens exist and they have them, they found them. And he started going on about all this stuff that they found in Arizona and all kinds of crazy shit. He lived in Arizona as well. Like he yep. lived in, uh, he was born in St. John's, but he lived in Arizona and yep. he lived in Torbay, I think is where. Yeah. And I think he still has a house there. Well, he's, well, he's away, dead but... now, but. Another story that, that, you know, I always, every time I hear Jeff Sterling, I got to tell the story that, that I've heard is that in the Caribbean, uh, for whatever reason, NTV is part of their cable package. So if you go to Jamaica, if you ever go to one of these all inclusive resorts, you know, good chance you can get NTV on, on, on the TV down there. And, Jeff Sterling was at a party one time at one of these, uh, you know, Caribbean islands. I'm not sure which one. And that TV station happened to be on at the party he was at. And he was, whatever he was talking to, he told people, yeah, I own that station. They're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You don't own that station. He goes, oh, yeah. So he got on the phone and he called the station and he told them, I want you to put Inspector Gadget on right now. So the next thing you know, everyone's there sitting around a party watching the show. <laughs> Inspector Gadget came on the television. That's crazy. Can you imagine being like the nighttime technician at NTV? Yeah. The, yeah. the bat phone rings. You never know what. Oh, oh, <laughs> you never know what the hell he's going to tell you to put on. What crazy shits he going to make me do now? But he had all this crazy shit. But he was also like a really smart person. He, like he was, yeah. I mean, he was eccentric is the best way to explain it. Like I, th- I think you know, anyone is eccentric. Like their their level of intelligence sometimes is just beyond. I, yeah. Maybe he's an alien himself. He might be. He might be. Well, I don't know. He's, he's an alien that wanted to, end, he wanted to let everybody in the world know that he was an alien and that we do exist. But, but this Captain America, you, you really want to go out of your way to go on YouTube and have No, a not Captain this. America. I mean, sorry, Captain Newfoundland. Captain America is totally different. He's an Avenger, yeah. But Captain Newfoundland, he's a, a superhero that was created by uh, Sterling. If you go on NTV, if you go on YouTube and you just Google it, and you, you'll find some beautiful videos and well, well done, <laughs> high quality uh, special effects. It's the worst. And all it is is like a paper mache mask with Newfoundland <laughs> outline on it. It's yeah. not even like a good picture of Newfoundland and yeah. a big old cape. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and you got a bigger story about it. So this this is the story of Captain Newfoundland. So the ancestors came from the stars and settled on Atlantis. There mm-hmm. you go. That's the UFO type thing. Yep, yep. Uh, Atlantis, Atlantis was destroyed, but only the tip of Atlantis survived. And that tip, <laughs> just a tip, ladies, um, the tip uh, became Newfoundland. So Captain Newfoundland uh, watches over Newfoundland to protect and advocate the race of man for the old world and the new. He travels through different dimensions and different times. He has some friends such as the Silver Warrior and the Golden Dove. So join him as he travels the interspace of light through the magic of television. <laughs> the captain's quote is this above to all thy known self to be true which may be a Shakespeare quote I'm not sure yeah it sounds like it's from Shakespeare but just weird shit right 
I guess it's not the weirdest superhero. Like, a lot of superhero origins are strange. I guess, but... Through the magic of television, though? Like, yeah. why? Yeah, I don't know. I guess it was purely a TV property. He also had a Captain Canada, which is another superhero. And uh, so basically, this guy had, like, a welding mask and uh, <laughs> like a hockey jersey and a cape. And, and he's, he lives on the moon. And Why does Captain Canada live on the moon? I don't know, but uh, according to the video, if you go on YouTube, book the video, he's like, he starts in the moon, he does this big somersault, next thing you know, he's flying all around. <laughs> so I guess Jeff Sterling, he invented Captain Canada as well? He did, yeah. No, he's okay. a big superhero guy for whatever reason. I know, I guess he thought kids needed superheroes, things to look up to, so he... Okay. Canada, like, I, I know there's a lot of superheroes that are from Canada, but they, I guess there's never really any Canadian-based uh, CRTC uh, regulated or... So he said to create his own. Did he come around then on Canada after a while? If he, uh, or was Captain sure. Canada a dickhead? <laughs> he was Eddie. He was the villain of Captain Newfoundland. Yeah. I guess he did come around on it because Spawn from Hell. <laughs> uh, because he ended up being like friends with Smallwood after yeah. he tried to stop Confederation. I guess you can't beat him, join him type thing. I think it's kind of what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess so. But yeah, no, Jeff Sterling, a uh, very interesting man. That you should, uh, I encourage anybody to go on YouTube and look up some of the late night NTV. If you just put that in there, I'm sure you'll come up on, uh, with a lot of very odd uh, videos. Yeah, and he must have jumped at this opportunity to see like a real life alien yeah. spotting by a policeman. Yeah, he recorded. He said he recorded for the for the NTV archives, and like I said, I mean, you you, it's not uncommon to see it on the TV channel today. They got a show that comes on like Sunday mornings or late at night. It's called. Captain Atlantis, I think it's called, and it's just basically all these old shit like this. <laughs> this is whacked out crazy stuff. But anyway, this Jeff Sterling guy, he did uh, record a video for uh, Mr. J- Mr. Blackwood, and um, like mm-hmm. I said, it's a very good account of the whole thing. If you ever want to know what happened to Mr. Blackwood, uh, he he is now, <laughs> can be seen, I, I've always thought about this, this is a really good uh, UFO sighting, a very credible source and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but if I were to tell you at one point, he had 10 house cats and 16 barn cats. <laughs> <laughs> but if you had 26 cats, and then someone told me I saw an, an alien, I, the credibility kind of goes down a little bit. I don't know yeah. about you. Isn't it illegal to own that many I don't know. Uh, pets? But now, today he can be found on YouTube. He's known as the Raccoon Whisperer. Because he owns... <laughs> <laughs> he owns... Several raccoons. He has them tamed, and the raccoons come what? in his house, and he feeds them peanut butter and jam sandwiches. Apparently, <laughs> you wait. How do you own a wild animal? Or I, I okay, he doesn't own them. I don't think, but I think they've been on his property. Okay. I, I think the story goes is uh, his wife was really an animal lover, and these raccoons were on the thing, and his wife passed away unfortunately, and and she was like, you know, make sure you take care of the animals. So he's just doing this because you know it was kind of a wish to her. He says once mm-hmm. this once this family raccoons dies, that's it. But uh, he's, he's on YouTube and, he, and he's, he has a video feed of these raccoons feeding these raccoons and all that. And I think that's currently what he does for a living. I mean, I like animals too, but like with the wild ones got to stay outside. I'm not making sandwiches for him. <laughs> hey, raccoon, you want a sandwich? And one last thing about this story that I find really interesting. The Royal Canadian Mint has actually recently came out and said they're going to be putting a commemorative coin about this sighting. So it's actually pretty famous to the point where Royal Canadian Mint is actually uh, going to uh, honor it forever in a coin. And the way the coin is, it's actually a square coin. It's not actually legal currency. I don't think it's it's, it's a quarter or nothing like that. It's just mm-hmm. it's a square coin. And uh, it has a picture of the, uh, the craft. 
and when you put a light on it, it'll it'll change colors to to show the way. Like a black light or something. Yeah, you put a black light over it, it'll do the same. Yeah. The coin uh, retailed for one hundred thirty dollars, and they only made five thousand. And they sold they sold out like almost instantly. Oh wow! People collect all kinds of coins. Yeah, they do. Like, I'm sure that's what it was—a collector's thing—and they get this new mint. Probably mm-hmm. people bought it before they even knew the story, and, and it comes with the uh, the actual story of it itself. Does it come with a, a DVD recording of the Jeff Sterling interview? <laughs> Probably do. One other thing with the Jeff Sterling interview that I just wanted to mention too is that in the interview, they actually asked him to draw an artist rendition of the uh, the spaceship. Okay. And it's basically. <laughs> So basically, he said it was an oval and had a tail on it. And the guy just has like a circle with a triangle on the top. And it's like the worst. He's like, if, any, if anybody out there's ever played my trivia and he saw the draws with Barry category, this guy's wasn't up to that quality. Let's put it that way. When I first saw that picture and his artist rendition of it, I, I couldn't help but laugh. <laughs> it's pretty bad if you could do a better job. Yeah. But like I said, this was a very famous one. Was, I certainly think Jupiter was a pretty lame explanation for it. And he actually had another sighting in 2016 in the exact same area. Oh. A, resident, an, an, a different resident by the name of uh, Chris Haynes was his name. He saw something over the water for a couple hours. He took a picture of it. Oh. He's going through his camera and he was deleting pictures of um, uh, so he didn't have room for Christmas. Yeah. And he came across the picture and he actually put it on social media. Let's look it up. I'll wait for you to look after now to tell me what you think it looks like. Okay. Um, how come I can't find it? Maybe it's been uh, scrubbed from the internet. Oh, whoa, okay. Oh, you got it? Okay. I do see it. What does that look like to you? All right. It looks like that toy you used to get in the 80s with the ball in the middle and a disc around it. Yes. And you, st- you stand <laughs> you on it and jump. Is that what it looks like to yeah. you? Now you mentioned it, I thought it looked a little <laughs> like the Enterprise, but it looks more like that thing. Okay. It looks like the Enterprise if you are not doing a side view, but like if you're looking at it front on. Yeah. It would look like the Enterprise. But yeah, it does. It does. That's a pretty amazing photo, actually. What's the big light next to it? Jupiter? <laughs> <laughs> the mothership. The picture that I see is a magnified uh, view. Yeah, yeah. You're playing a, telegra- a telegram? A salt wire uh, network. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I would like to see the um, the original photo. Would it uh, still look like something? Because you see what you want to see, too. Yeah, for sure. But it's interesting that the same place in the same area saw another ship that yeah that's different that that's a different shape than the one that uh, Mr. Blackwood uh, or Constable Blackwood described. Yeah, yeah. But still, maybe it's a different style ship. I'm sure the uh, aircraft that we have in the '70s don't look like it today either. So that's right. I'm sure, the aliens can uh, they make better spaceships now than they could then as well. Okay, I guess it's a hot spot, but there's a bunch of different sightings around Newfoundland. Okay. Um, there was an incident in January 25th, 20, uh, 2010, Darlene Stewart was, she was taking pictures of the sunset and she saw what she described as like a missile looking object with flames shooting out of it coming up out of the ocean. Wow. That's, that's cold war shit there. I know. I know. And then why they thought it was a UFO and not a rocket being launched yeah. or whatever. So she got, I guess, the same thing like Buddy did in 1978, got her, her friends and neighbors to come out and take a look. And uh, they saw three similar objects like a few minutes apart. And they said they looked like rockets. So I guess they contacted the RCMP and they confirmed it was something, like something was seen. But uh, they didn't know what it was. Again, calling the cops. I don't get it. I don't know. Yeah, I think we might start like a, a UFO. If you see UFOs, call me. Don't call the police. Okay, business. You, I'll be the UFO guy. 
UFO expert. I don't know. Unless there's an immediate threat. Like, why would you yeah. call them? Like, I see a thing. It's like, all right, well, all right. thanks. All right, so you uh, check on that murder we did last night, and you you go look for the UFOs. Yes, make a report. But they there was speculation that it might have been rocket or weapons testing from St. Pierre and Miquelon. <laughs> yeah, they are big on the, the nuclear tests over there. But no, I mean, I've never been there. Have you ever? Have you ever been? No, there? it's it's a sore spot between myself and my wife because I want to go and she's not no interest. We can't go there now. She doesn't want to go. No, I, I, why? I'm not sure. No, she's been there before. Uh, well, she. <laughs> oh, okay, I thought you meant like she never wants to go there. <laughs> no, no, no. She has just, been there before. <laughs> just want to go with you. <laughs> I guess in terms of uh, vacation spots, I guess you can see the uh, the appeal of it. I guess, but uh, I really want to go because. I think it's a big appeal because yeah. you're literally going to France. So is that considered North America or Europe? That's a question for you. <laughs> it's considered North America. Okay. So non-Newfoundlanders, because you're here. I know you're here. Right off the south coast of Newfoundland are two tiny, tiny islands called St. Pierre and Miquelon. And they belong to France. And they're leftovers from like all the various struggles and wars between English, I'm sorry, England and France when they were fighting over Canada. And that's one of the things the French were allowed to keep were these two tiny little islands uh, off the south coast of Newfoundland. It's like a whole other world apparently there. Apparently so, yeah. You can get a direct flight to Paris from there. Can you? Yeah, I I don't think it's an everyday thing, but but I know people, if you're going to fly to France, it's better to go to St. Pierre and do it than it is to, because otherwise you have to probably fly to Toronto or something. Yes. So. Yes, you fly three hours west to go, to go east. Across, it's across the pod, yeah. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I've never been to Saint Pierre or Miquelon, and I think it would be cool to go there because oh, absolutely it would be. Apparently, it's very European over there. Like I said, I, I'm, I'm only going by what people told me. Yeah, what well, what your wife has told you, but does I yeah. want you to see? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> That's for me to know, and you not to never find out. That's what she said to me. I find that hilarious. So, if you were France and you were going to test your nuclear weapons. Why wouldn't you choose your little random strange island that nobody even knows about? Because maybe it end up landing on Belle Island again. <laughs> Poor Belle Island. Belle Island's like, leave me alone, for yes. God's sake. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I guess that does make sense. That'd be a good place to test it without worrying about mainland France, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was some of the speculation. But the Department of National Defense, they said that there was no known rocket testing at the time. Okay. At least one local member of parliament was concerned for the residents. That was written in the story. I'm like, well, what's he supposed to say? I don't care. <laughs> Fuck those fellas. Right? Like, what else would he would he yeah. say? Politicians, whatever. Maybe okay. UFOs were rising up out of the ocean and going back to the mother ship. I don't know. They saw something. Interesting. Yeah, so we spoke before about uh, Project Blue Book. and That's basically the U.S. government's file on unidentified flying objects, right? Yeah, it's like the real-life X-Files. 12,618 uh, reports they did in there from 1952 to 1969. And 701, they don't know what they are. They explained all of them except for 701. Okay. So of those 701, uh, one of these uh, Project Blue Book happenings happened in Argentia. So Argentia was a naval base that the U.S. owned. Uh, it was set up, I guess, right around World War II time, and I guess the thought was that, you know, the Cold War, which we happen to reference on an awful lot in these podcasts. And this is just occurring to me now, like, Newfoundland is a relatively obscure place on Earth. 
It is, yeah. But, okay, you got St. Pierre Miquelon right off the coast. That belongs to France. You got Argentia. That was an American base. You got uh, Gander, where, like, if you're going between Europe and North America, you gots to go to Gander. Yeah. That, them's the rules, baby. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, like, international business going on. Belle Island is attacked. and You get Vikings up there. Right? Like, it's basically, it's the center of uh, the entire earth, I'm gonna go out and say well it's also one to four corners if, if you believe that yeah so quick Which place no one does no <laughs> that's right so again uh argentia was a naval base and i guess the thought was um during the cold war if the russians ever attacked you know this would be the first part of north american soil they would hit would be newfoundland so we'll, you know americans put a base there so there was a, a navy pilot by the name of graeme berthune i think is how it's pronounced and i may have that wrong but that's okay if i do spell it uh, so I can also mispronounce it. B-E-T-H-U-N-E. Bethune. Bethune. Okay. So Graham Maybe. Bethune. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, he was a, a naval pilot. Uh, graduated in 1943. Had a lot of flying experience. And in... I don't, I don't have a date here, so... Right. So <laughs> sometime between right now and like I don't know, fifty years ago. Fifty years ago, <laughs> he uh, flew a, a flight from Iceland, and they're bringing troops to uh, Argentia. There was there's talk of, an, of a of a weird light or something in the sky or a UFO, so they wanted to fly and check it out. So uh, the government uh, told them there was probably experimental Russian bombers or something like that there. So then you know they they had these this guy fly from Iceland to the Argentia site to check it out. So they were close to Argentia, flying out there, and when they got there, they saw a light that they couldn't see any definition. There was no reason for it to be there, but it was just happened to be this light out, out in the uh, the horizon there. So they watched it. Uh, they said they saw the light. It was like 10,000 feet away, and this is, within a second, it shot right up to the point where it was right next to the plane. The guy actually thought it was going to go right through the plane. So the plane was on autopilot. Uh, he mm-hmm. took it off and kind of did this big evasive maneuver, and uh, he asked the other guy if he knew what it was. They didn't know what it was. So anyway, they were kind of freaked out by it, and, and again, there was there was another pilot there with him, and he's to the point where he's saying, uh, "You know what? I don't want to report this because if I report this, then the, the bureaucracy and the paperwork, blah blah blah." blah. Mm-hmm. The other guy was there. Says, "Too late. I've already reported this to the Gander Airport." So mm-hmm. again, he called Gander to see if they can see it on the radar, right? Mm-hmm. This crazy thing. So as soon as they landed in this in this base in Argentia, they got interrogated. So this one guy oh. came out, yeah, so this guy came out, the army guy, and started asking him all kinds of questions. And Graham could tell that this was not the first interrogation this guy did about this specific situation. So this this light was known around, I guess. So they had, like, this interrogator at Argentia? Well, I, I guess they had, like, a naval guy there and be, or whatever. But, Whoever I mean, the head of the base was, he was, I don't think he was, his job was to interrogate people, interrogate the enemy. I'm saying, though, the guy that was at Argentia, again, like kind of a relatively obscure place. Yeah. According to this Bethune guy, was yeah. obviously experienced in interrogating people about UFOs. Well, it was more like this isn't the first person he's questioned about this okay. specific UFO sighting, right? So okay. he said he was convinced it was a flying saucer. He said, you know, he's been flying since the 40s. Um, and uh, he's never seen anything like it, and it had to be something not of this world type thing. Okay. There was a bunch of people on this plane had like thirty people on it, right? And they asked mm-hmm. everybody on the plane, and everybody said it was between two hundred fifty, three hundred feet. Everyone had the, the exact same approximation. Mm-hmm. And he said the velocity was between one thousand to two thousand miles an hour. It was actually caught on radar, and it had a re- radar had it at eighteen hundred miles per hour. Oh, holy cow! 
That's how fast this thing can go. Do we have anything that goes that fast? Like how fast is? I don't know if we do now. Or we definitely they definitely didn't at the time. So there's nothing okay. in the U.S. fleet that could travel at a speed like that, right? Wow. He also said that uh, when uh, this thing got close, a lot of the magnetic equipment that like was going haywire, like the compasses and, and all the, you know, when they see a pilot and there's like you go in there, and there's like a thousand switches and there's like all these different yeah. dials and all these yeah. different compasses and I'm like what what the hell does all that stuff do? I don't know. Oh. Are you flipped through these switches? Is the plane going to the self self destruct going to turn on? I don't know. Or? There's always like five or six switches right above your head yeah. that you got to be clicking, no, and then and then it looks like a 1962 switchboard phone where yes, all the exactly. lights are on. You got to press the different lights. Yeah, so you figure it'd be more more technologically advanced than that. But anyway, there's all these different dials that measure different things, and you got yeah. the. the the needle on them, like a, like a compass and all that. And he said, yeah. Uh, when this thing got close, a lot of them weren't, weren't functioning properly. You tell it was like how a magnet messes up a compass, that type of thing. That's weird. Yeah, definitely weird. The craft was tracked by radar, went to DC. I guess all these reports went to DC because they had it classified under Project Blue Book. So this was okay. one of the ones yep. that answered because because of this type of thing, right? So he was visited in his house by an intelligence officer who had pictures of crashed craft and asked if the one he saw looked anything like this. Mm. Um, he said he kept on getting people asking about UFOs all the time. He was mm-hmm. at various bases throughout the U.S. and there's bases there that he said that had uh, crafts, uh, alien crafts behind it and stuff like that. He would never look at it for whatever reason. Uh, he was at a military facility one time, but he wouldn't go back and look. They said, look, behind that curtain there's a UFO and there's an alien autopsy. You should go have a look. He had the clearance to do so, but he wouldn't do it because he said, I'm not allowed to talk about it anyway, so why do I want to see it? Which is kind of... This guy seems like a crackpot. Yeah, Maybe. The credibility of it was that he was a pilot, and yeah. uh, you know he should. That was the credibility side of it, right? So he was flying, and he was in the yeah, navy. Yeah, but then his his later story is like, oh, I was said, oh, go behind the curtain and look at the alien autopsy. But I'm like, nah, I'm not going to be at that because I can't talk about it. Yet here I am telling y'all about it. I don't know. It yeah. seems weird. Yeah, you would figure like as soon as this interview is over, as he says that a poison dart hits, <laughs> then live during the interview he just collapses. <laughs> I mean. I okay. This guy. It's a Russian guy because this bad crazy. <laughs> I don't know. It's there are a lot of pilots that do see stuff, and I think some of their stories are believable. Now, what what they saw, I don't know, but they definitely saw something. This guy seems like he might have lost some of his marbles or something. Yeah, and that can, that could definitely be the case. But like I said, this this was definitely documented on the Project Blue Book, and I believe it's one of those mm-hmm. seven hundred one unaccounted for ones. Mm-hmm. Um, he probably certainly embellished afterwards, started talking about the autopsies and that type of thing. But, yeah. uh, you know, it was definitely a weird sighting that they saw that was picked up on radar. <laughs> I don't know. People do build on their stories. Even innocently, they do. Oh, for sure. Like, like you know, it's supposed to purple monkey dishwasher, right? It's that type of thing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. To your point, um, if he was sworn to secrecy, why is he talking about it now? Did he go yeah. AWOL? Did he go AWOL in this country? And that's the scariest thing in the world. Not the people that are on interview or reporting their stuff or anything, like, yeah. but it's the ones that you don't know about. Yeah. <laughs> those those are the ones that terrify me. For sure. I don't know if I want to know about him. <laughs> yeah, both of these stories, they're very credible sources, one being a police officer and one being a, a Navy pilot. Mm-hmm. But then when you go into the later life where this guy's talking about, uh, you know, I could have saw all this, but I didn't want to because I, I couldn't talk to you about it, even though I'm talking to you about it now. Yeah. The other guy's now letting raccoons run around his house and feeding his 26 cats. Um, <laughs> I think the rac- raccoon whisperer is the more credible source of those two. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you're probably right, yeah. 
Yeah. Because at least he was like, listen, I saw some crazy stuff. Yeah. I don't change my story. And yeah. I saw what I saw and it doesn't change my life. But yeah. this guy is kind of like, oh, you should, you should have seen the stuff that I refuse to look at. <laughs> Aliens. <laughs> they right? had weapons, lasers, lightsabers. Right? Yeah. I don't know. There's definitely UFOs. Like, there's stuff that people see and they can't explain. Yeah. I mean, it could be no more than optical illusions. Could be, yeah. It could be anything. But people do see it. And then people report them and call the cops or call the government or whatever. They make videos and post them online and stuff. And uh, it happens all over the place. Everywhere. Every nook and cranny of, of Earth. And it's happened since beginning of humans. Yeah, for sure. I think there's something out there. I think so. So going to our stories that we have here. So let's talk about uh, Blackwood. Okay. What do you think that was? God, I don't even know. I don't think it was Jupiter. No, I don't think it was Jupiter either. And it's 1978, so it wasn't like a drone. And he didn't hear anything, so it wasn't no. like a helicopter. I don't know what it could have been. No, I don't either. If what he said happened actually did happen, you know, where he's watching it and the yeah. lights are flicking and then it sh yeah. goes up in the sky and stuff. It doesn't seem like it would have been a plane or anything man-made. That's what do you yeah, think it no, was? I I really don't know. Um, again, because of the time frame, it, it certainly eliminates any kind of like any kind of toy. I think. Yep. Um I don't know. I don't know what it could have been. It, it seems to be the most credible one I've ever, certainly for Newfoundland, the most credible one I've ever encountered. But uh, I wonder why they ne like not one of those people whipped out a camera. Yeah, even in the seventies, someone yeah, someone had to piss ass or the some or a Polaroid or the Pol yeah, Polaroid. Right? Like I said, that was was that was that in the seventies? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And by the way, the piss ass. Uh, we used to have a camera. It was what was it called? The pizzazz. It's called a piss ass. <laughs> <laughs> it was called a pizzazz. P i z z a z z. Yeah. It's one of these old Kodak one ten mil. One, was it one ten millimeter film or whatever it was? One, one ten film, and uh, you'd stick the film in, and you roll her off, and take yeah, a picture. Get, z, z, z. Yeah, and it was called a pizzazz, but our father used to call it the piss ass <laughs> because he was a strange man. Yep. And now it's all in your pocket. But like, not one person had a piss ass or a Polaroid. No, no, I guess not. No, that's the thing. It wasn't like a minute; and it was gone. They were looking yeah. at it for an hour. One, someone say, "Look, go get your camera. Go get with video cameras. Probably would be a thing then, right?" But. Yeah, definitely someone would have had a big old shoulder breaker camera. You got to wear a back brace with it and everything. But if they called Sterling, they could have got him out there in a couple hours. Oh, guaranteed. Well, of course, he might have not been in Newfoundland at the time. He might have been down in Arizona or mm. in the mountains of the Himalayas or <laughs> up on the moon or who knows up where. The, up on the moon with Captain Captain Canada doing backflips. But yeah, that, that's one of the things. Like for the length of time that they said, you really would think someone say, "Hey, someone go get a camera." So your story about the about the French missile, what do you think that was? Think it was a French missile? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but if it was, like, it would have had to come down somewhere eventually. Like, someone would have noticed it somewhere, I guess. Maybe it, was, it was shooting at the Clarenville spaceship. Sure, it could have been just fireworks. Would it be close? I mean, liquor is ours washed up on the shore. Yes. It comes from St. Pierre. Would you be able to see, like, fireworks? Maybe it was Bastille uh, Day or some shit. They were, like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't think it's that close. Okay. I don't think it was rocket testing, though. No. A lot of these ones that are unexplained, I don't think the automatic conclusion is it was a UFO. But if you've ever seen a UFO, we'd love to hear from you, whether it be in Newfoundland or wherever, Greenland, 
If you see if anyone in Greenland has seen a UFO, we'd love to see it. The the night sky in Greenland must be so pure. I bet you could see just like hordes of UFOs. You can see the battles that are going on up there. Yeah, I don't know. I'd I'd like to hear somebody credible say, "Listen, I'm not a crackpot, but I, this is what I saw, and I don't know what the hell it was." But as soon as I take my tinfoil hat off, I want to tell you. What does tinfoil protect you? I, I think the theory behind that is is it kind of messes up with the the waves that are in the air or whatever. Kind of like kind of like a radio station with tinfoil can, can scramble it or something. I guess that's why. Don't you put tinfoil on the rabbit ears when you want to make it better? To make it better. That's true. Yeah. What a shit theory that was. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of the opposite. That's right. That'll, that'll <laughs> suck it in there. Don't wear your tinfoil hat unless you want to be taken over via mind control. <laughs> the vessel to bring it in. That's right. Uh, yeah, if you uh, if you aren't wearing a tinfoil hat, you see the UFO and you think you're proof. I'd like to see photos like oh, that one it. pogo jumper ball, whatever that pogo ball I think it was called. Pogo ball, good good, good pull. Yeah, if uh, if you ever see the pogo ball up flying around, <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or some other UFO or some experience that you don't know what it is, write us in at at somewherepodcast at gmail There you go. On the Twitters. At somewhere pod. At somewhere pod. That's it, pod. UFOs are somewhere by. Somewhere. <laughs>